Hi, I'm Bob Wells, and I'd like to welcome you to the Get Real Show, sponsored by Keystone Partners Group, the show that dispels the myth and the mystery behind success in the real estate industry. Today, I have a very exciting guest with me, uh, Gary Siegel of the Durazio Siegel team. Gary, it is my pleasure to have you with us today. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, Bob. You know, it's all my pleasure, actually. And, and I'm really excited to speak with you, actually, for three important reasons. Number one, because you've had enormous success in the real estate sales world. Uh, number two, because you've actually been able to create wealth through multiple streams of passive income wrapped around that real estate sales business. And number three, you're one of the few people that I think has been very purposeful at positioning their business in order to leverage that to the point where you can see passive income uh, on a continuing basis from the business that you built from scratch. So uh, okay. exciting to have you here. Great. So mm -hmm. tell me what your business world looks like today, Gary. Uh, the last m major move we made was to merge my team with uh, another large team in the Bluebell Market Center. Okay. The reason I did that, I was helping another individual who had a larger team than I did, and I realized that they were supplying some things to their clients that I wasn't able to do. Hmm. And I realized that one of the things I either had to do was to get larger or change everything. So... I ended up with somebody that I had been watching for a long time, a younger agent, mm -hmm. who had a similar philosophy, but actually did the parts of the business that I wasn't doing. And together, I think it made it stronger for both of us. Wow. That's, that's interesting. So tell me, what was your, your kind of volume uh, when you were uh, kind of in your own team before that merger and the volume of the we team you merged with? We were running pretty with. consistently at 35 to $45 million a year. Mm -hmm. That's huge. There were uh, five of us on the team, mm -hmm. had one full-time assistant, and things were going along pretty well until I just had this realization that there were some other parts that we weren't <laughs> focusing on. And uh, when, I, when I just all of a sudden realized that we could make that happen, it was like a nat the merger was totally natural. Hmm. And what about the, the scale of the team that you merged with, which is Dino Durazio's team? Right. Dino's team was just a little smaller, a mm -hmm. little younger, but mm -hmm. they were doing, uh, I don't know, $25 million. Mm -hmm. wow. So now, of course, it's just started. So, I mean, we're anticipating certainly doing, you know, $50, $60 million and growing from there. Mm -hmm. So what, what has your role been on the team recently since that, that merger? Are you still involved? Oh, I'm de no, definitely involved. Yeah. Uh, the last person that we just hired and is starting this week is going to be our lead listing person. One of the things that happened in the process of merging the teams is an opportunity came along and Dino decided to become the team leader in Bluebell, mm. which at first threw a little uh, <laughs> wrench into the works. I, I, can, was, I can see the, the chaos in the, but in the mind I, there. I've been involved in Bluebell as one of the core agents since the company started. And when I took off my agent hat and put on my Bluebell owner hat, it was clear that Dino was the right choice, not only for me in merging my team, but he was the right choice to become the team leader. But the one thing we had to do was to find a person that could both fit into the listing role for him and in the transition that I was looking to make. And part of the reason I merged my team is some of the things that I did not do coming up that I knew that I should do. Yeah. Uh, I had to make some, some real changes. I realized that I was never going to get my team to the seventh level because of the things I hadn't done. Mm -hmm. uh, Tell me about some of the things you hadn't done, because you mentioned that a couple times. I'm oh, just well, I would say one of them was I built my business mostly on relationships. Yeah. And there were certain aspects of the lead generation that I wasn't doing. Mm -hmm. And because I wanted to avoid it, I got better and better at doing the things I could do, which was relationships. Mm -hmm. uh, but it has its limitations. Yeah. Which are pretty high. I mean, 40, <laughs> 40 million dollars is right. it's pretty, pretty high. But it... What I realized is I was never going to be able to step away from it. Mm, so okay. now you feel like you're caught in this grind. Right. Uh, so one, I needed a person who could slip into the role that I was taking, which was mostly going on listings. 
And number two, the, the pieces for lead generation that I wasn't doing, it was unbelievable to all of a sudden be on a team and I could walk in and say, oh, we need a house over here and have somebody that would call that entire neighborhood. Mm, yeah. Different, uh, different skill set. Different skill set. Mm. But putting the two teams together, all of a sudden we had people who were able to do all of these things. And now with Dino pulling out of that role, part of what attracted me to getting together with Dino is we had the same philosophy and I believe that he was the person who could replace me. Mm -hmm. Now we're in a position we had to replace both of us. Mm -hmm. And luckily, I believe we found the person who can do that. And she actually has started full-time yesterday. Yeah. I, I think both of you are, are historically able to attract talent. So I guess that was a, a good skill set to have when you have to fill those kind of shoes. Because that's a, that's a challenging role and, and a very obviously oh, important yeah. one. And in order to get somebody who was talented, it had to be that we were both truly ready to start to exit that role because, I mean, I grew up always thinking that I could do everything better than <laughs> sure. anybody. And I realized that that was actually not the case. Mm. Yeah. So let's step back a little bit be okay. in, to, in, and move back to kind of how it all started for you in, in the real estate world. Uh, how, how, long have you, uh, how long have you been in real estate? What did you do before that? Uh, grew up in the restaurant business. Mm. So I was always kind of a hard worker. Yeah. I learned. I learned it was a family business, and I grew up in it. So I did every job possible, from being a dishwasher and a busboy and a waiter, and a cook and a salad person and a prep person and a bartender and a <laughs> <laughs> banquet manager and a restaurant manager. I sort of did it all over the years. Mm -hmm. uh, but being in the service business, that was kind of a natural for me moving into another service business. Right. What was the catalyst for that? Why did you decide to, to go into real estate? Well, uh, somehow my wife and I, uh, and we had just gotten married, were talking about investing in real estate. As I look back, I can't quite figure that one out because together I don't think we could have put together $1,000. <laughs> but we had this idea that we wanted to invest in real estate, and this seemed like a logical choice. Yeah. And I remember, it's funny, I related this story to somebody yesterday when I told somebody I was getting into residential real estate. He said, aren't those the guys that wear gold jackets and make... $22,000 a year. <laughs> and I took a breath and I realized uh, in the company that I started with that there really were people starting to run businesses within the real estate business. And that's kind of what attracted me. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, going from one very, very challenging business that requires very hard work to another challenging business that requires very hard work. Harder work than I thought <laughs> when I started. Yeah. Uh, it's funny, my mother said to me, geez, you seem like you're working just as hard. You just shifted the hours a little bit. Yeah. So so what did your first year look like and, and what what happened there? Well, so my wife got into the business before I did. What happened is she started selling some houses, making some money, and seemed like she was having fun. So I said, boy, this looks like a great opportunity. I'm sorry, what year was that? That was 1988. Okay. What was the market like in 88? Uh, the market was... Decent, though, of course, when you look back from today's perspective, everything mm -hmm. cost less and you had to do, uh, you had to sell more houses to get to the level that you wanted. Mm -hmm. And I mean, the world looked completely different. Mm. You know, we didn't have iPhones. <laughs> <laughs> Are you still uh, looking at uh, green lines across computer screens? And oh, that's like that? right. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and that dot matrix paper coming out and putting phones into the modem to uh, <laughs> get the information. So you were a husband and wife team initially. Right. And how long did you kind of follow that, that model before you attracted somebody else onto your team? Well, the first thing we did, it was pretty quick that we ended up hiring an assistant. Mm -hmm. Learned pretty quickly that, that if you didn't have an assistant, you were the assistant. And the only way you could start to get ahead of this grind was to have somebody to start to help you do all the tasks that had to be done. There was no other way to give people mm. the right service. Uh, it was very funny, of course, when I started, my wife had already established herself, and then all of a sudden it was a bit of a challenge, though we worked pretty well together, mm -hmm. as it turned out. Now, was that a national franchise or a small mom and pop, or how did that? Uh, she, started, she started at a company that merged into another company, and then on the coattails of her mentor, who was recruited to that uh, balloon company. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So okay. that is, that's where she ended up, and that's where I started. Okay. I didn't really know anything about 
company cultures, and that was a pretty new company, and it seemed like a new concept at that time. We'll call it the 100% concept. Yeah, sure. And knowing nothing about real estate, real estate culture, when she was being recruited there, I went with her to sort of protect her. Uh -huh. And when they sat down and they explained how this company worked, it was the fact that you paid a monthly fee, and then if you sold, you got to keep your commission. Mm -hmm. Came home, I said, well, that sounds like a better idea to me, honey, if you're going to sell a reasonable amount of real estate, that kind of made more sense sure. to me. I didn't realize it was controversial at the time. Yeah, but profitable for but the agent. But profitable. Yeah, yeah. For so, sure. Yeah, so as as you started to work together, in you were working with her, not quite with her at that time when she moved well, to that Well, I guess when I first started, it was part-time for a short time making that transition, but really just a couple of months, and then I yeah. jumped in with both feet and said, we'll see what happens. So when did you really start start making this a success? When, when do you think you really started to, to say, wow, would, we're going to make well, this work in a big way? After, after three or four years, it mm -hmm. started to, uh, the volume started to come up and realized that you started to get repeat clients. If you actually took care of people, mm -hmm. they would refer other people mm -hmm. and they would, uh, eventually they moved again. Yeah. So when you say take care of people, how do you, how do you do that? Back then, what was your mindset with respect to how do I get repeat business from people that are important to me? Oh, by staying in touch with them. Yeah. By sending people anniversary cards, by calling people that you had sold a house to and asked them how things were going. And mm -hmm. If they knew anybody else that would be interested in the same kind of service. So you're actually getting on the phone and calling people and say, hey, I care about you. Right. Yeah. Actually, because we did. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. So, you know, and it started out friends and friends of friends and relatives and all of a sudden, you'd sell a house for a client who happened to work in a local big corporation. There's a lot of pharmaceutical companies around J&J &J and Merck around mm -hmm. Bluebell, and they would start to tell the associates that they worked with, and, mm -hmm. you know, that's really how the business started to grow. Yeah, and for our, our audience, Bluebell is, is about um, 40 minutes north of Center City, Philadelphia? Right, down yeah. northwest. What's the average sale price there? The average sale price there now is probably around... 300,000. Yeah. And you've been in that, that location, in that area your oh, yeah, entire we, career, we right? Blue, yeah. We were in Bluebell our entire career. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how did, how did it evolve from there? You got your first administrator. How did that change things? Well, all of a sudden, we had more time to do the parts of the business that we enjoyed doing mm -hmm. rather than putting up the sign or doing, you know, all the administrative things. You know, back then it was gluing photographs onto flyers <laughs> rather than printing color flyers. Mm -hmm. I remember it was like a revolutionary idea that we were going to have color photographs to look at for real estate. You don't have to go to Kmart and pick up the That's photos right. anymore. Well, you know, back then the MLS book was newsprint with nine pictures of mm -hmm. houses. So it was totally different. Yeah. So did you, uh, after that first administrator, did you continue to hire more administrators? Did you hire a licensed person? What happened then? And what year was that? Uh, I guess it, I'd have to think back. In the mid-90s, all of a sudden, we were starting to do more business than we could actually handle. And at that point, that's when we took on another associate mm -hmm. and started to build a team. In fact, what happened in, at that office is that there were four or five of us that were growing up in the business together, Mike Campo being one of them. Yeah, sure. And uh, we realized that all of a sudden... The company we were with, as the team started to grow, wasn't as team-friendly. And we had heard about this other company that was team-friendly. Mm -hmm. And that was really the only thing that we were looking for, mm -hmm. was to find some sort of system that would work so that we could grow our individual businesses. Mm -hmm. uh, as I look back now, I realized that there were other companies that that really wasn't what the company was looking for. They had kind of a different idea for their model. Yeah. And we didn't quite fit in. So we found a place where that place did that did. Now, we, uh, who, are, who are those folks? That, those, that, those characters. Yeah. Those characters Mike Campo, were right? Mike Campo, Rudy Usick, mm -hmm. Cindy Wadsworth, mm -hmm. Pam Butera, and Ala Bruciani. Yeah, that's a powerful uh, set of names there. Right. Yeah. Oh Well, you know, it's funny. As I think back, yeah, you think that all these people were in their 20s when they... Yeah. We started selling real estate. A couple of them are younger than I In fact, almost all of them are younger than I am. But mm -hmm. yeah. uh, only because real estate was not our first career. Right. So, so you joined uh, Keller Williams Real Estate as 
with Mike Campo. Correct. Right. One of in the fact, first one of the fact, first guys, right? In fact, <laughs> in fact, I was one of the really smart guys who somebody called me, we sat down, we talked about the concept. It was Rich McCarthy and somebody mm -hmm. else yeah. at the Pike Diner and yeah. Ambler. And I looked at it and I said, Boy, I think that's a great idea. I like these ideas, but I had become an owner, a part owner of the Remax office. Mm -hmm. And I guess I had this idea in my mind that there was a lot more money selling real estate than there was in owning a real estate company. Mm. So I passed on the idea because I knew that it wasn't going to make a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, hindsight's twenty right, twenty. Right, yeah, so <laughs> yeah, that was yeah. my first great. So that was two thousand one. That was two thousand one. Now this company was pretty small then. There were I think eighty six hundred agents in the entire country. Yeah. There was one other office, or, well, there was actually two because we incubated out of Doylestown. There was another one in Newtown, Bucks County, but that was it. Yeah. But we loved the ideas that the company was coming out with, and they had this thing called the Agent Leadership Council. Mm -hmm. And at first we thought it was didn't really mean much, but we went to our first uh, family reunion, it was what their convention is called. Yeah. And there was an issue that the company was trying to bring forth to the agents. Mm -hmm. Internationally. Internationally. Well, it was well, only nationally. Yeah, and it was an barely that. <laughs> and uh, it came to it, but it was an ALC decision, and the ALC voted it down. And I was like, wow, there mm -hmm. really, really is something to this that the agents can have a say in how the company goes. Mm. And found it actually pretty exciting. Yeah. What are some of the things that um, agents have impacted? For, through the well, well, I mean, one of the Any things thoughts? back then, which was a big deal because there was all this controversy over signs and phone numbers and how all that worked, yeah. was what the floor policy was going to be for calls coming into the office. <laughs> and that wasn't something that was dictated to us. That was something we got to decide how it was going to go. Hmm. And now, is that all, the, the precursor for um, my listing, my leads? Uh, I guess it is. Yeah, yeah. It, it absolutely was. Which still is there today. Right. I mean, I went to, a, there was a mega camp that I went to, the first one. Now, back then, I think this event had about 300 people. Mm -hmm. You wanted to sit in the front row. Thousands you, today. <laughs> you show up, yeah, today, I mean, the last one was 10,000 yeah. people. You show up five minutes early, you got to sit in the front row. <laughs> and I did, I sat in the front row, and at a break I got to meet Gary Keller. Mm -hmm. Introduced myself, shook his hand, and told him I had come from the balloon company, and that I got 80% of our, that my wife and I got 80% of our business from our past clients and referrals. And he looked at me and he said, oh, you don't prospect. I was so taken back. I didn't know what to think. <laughs> I was just completely surprised. What I have come to understand is that in, he's not always the most tactful person, but <laughs> he's direct. Was, he's very direct. <laughs> that was within 15 seconds, he knew exactly where my business was at and what I needed. I didn't know that, but mm -hmm. he knew it. Yeah. And he's still involved at that level today, isn't he? Uh, yeah, it's pretty incredible. Actually, he is not the guy who grows Keller Williams. I mean, his passion, and it seems like the only purpose in his life, is figuring out how to help us as agents grow better businesses. Hmm. And it has had, you know, today I am so thankful that I made that decision. That's an unusual focus for a chairman of the board of a real estate company, isn't it? It is totally unique. Yeah. Totally unique. Yeah. How close have you been to that uh, re relationship with Gary in terms of Speaking with him, working with him, learning from him? Uh, well, probably mostly the latter. Mm -hmm. I have certainly got to learn from him more than I have had to personally interact. And it's funny, in the company, it was Gary Keller's sort of brilliance about real estate, which was one of the really attractive things. But the thing that made me know that I was at the right company was actually listening to Mo Anderson. Mm. It was seeing her sort of live a number of times that made me realize that she was a person who would never compromise her values. And what made it okay for me was that the philosophy of the company actually mirrored my own. Mm -hmm. And the values were the same. And that the fact that they were not willing to compromise those values is part of what made me respect them and attracted to learning more about real estate. I guess when I left the, my former company, I thought I kind of knew it all. We were doing about $25 million and felt like we were riding pretty high. And it was kind of humbling to realize how much we actually didn't know and how much we could learn and how that dynamically changed 
everything about our business. So how did, what, when you came to Keystone Partners Group, which really wasn't Keystone Partners Group at the time, it was one company, right? It right, wasn't, right, wasn't right. enough had companies start, to be a group. Yeah, it right. sure did. But when, the, when you first came to, uh, to, to our organization at that point, what, um, what shifted? What changed in your business? What started to, to evolve? Well, I guess we really started to understand the structure of teams. Now, when I say it was a long time ago, that red book was not written yet. Mm -hmm. In fact, I went to a course in Fort Lauderdale taught by Gary Keller called Quantum Leap. Mm -hmm. And when we took that, that course is more Gary's course about being successful in life, not necessarily being successful in real estate. Mm. But it was literally weeks before the book was being released. And he probably spent the first three hours of the course talking about <laughs> the book and the concept behind it, which was not him studying his own company, but him studying agents everywhere that he could find that were successful in order to, to identify the things that they were doing to help other agents become as successful. Mm. And they were as varied as can be. I remember one story, a guy, uh, I can't remember his last name, Russell was a Shaw. guy. Russell Shaw. Yeah. Who would advertise on television. And what you come to realize is that his wife really ran the real estate business, that he was a great front man and he could get the phone to ring. But his wife would say, we would never let Russell actually <laughs> speak to a buyer or seller. But what they were doing was they were attracting business on a massive scale and then they were hiring agents. And I understood agents taking out a buyer, but they were hiring agents to go on listings and they mm -hmm. would hire an agent and say, okay, here's your, here's your listing at two o'clock, four o'clock and eight o'clock. Go on these appointments mm. and tell us how you did. And to me, that was just like, yeah. I would have never thought of that. You're watching the saying. <laughs> wow. He's generating people. And now it's sort of that whole concept of leverage was one of the things I found the most exciting in real yeah. estate. So when Gary wrote that book, what was his, uh, what was his benchmark for, for the production people had to be doing in order to, to be interviewed? Oh, yeah. Was it a million? A million? Um... Oh, yeah. I, well, I guess, yeah. They were making, these were agents that were generating a million dollars in commission income. Yeah. Which seemed huge enough to me to be like, wow, that's not the guy in the gold jacket making $22,000 a year. Right. right. Yeah, that's running it's a real whole, business. a whole different that's story. a whole different story. Yeah. And then we used. And a million dollars is still a lot of money today. Yeah, it sure is. It sure is. So how did your, your business start to evolve after that? You, you, you're watching Russell and you're, you're getting some ideas. and Well, not just that? Russell, but you'd watch Russell and then there'd be somebody else who was a somebody, a former model in Beverly Hills or a guy like Mike Mendoza, who was a former professional uh, baseball player mm -hmm. or a housewife from Oklahoma who was doing, you know, 100 deals a year. I realized that you could learn from every one of these people and just all of a sudden develop this passion. There was another guy, Howard Britton, mm -hmm. who would interview a super successful realtor somewhere in the country and you get that cassette tape and put it in your car mm -hmm. and drive around. And I go like, it was just fascinating to me that there was a way to collaborate with other people mm -hmm. in order to make, help your business grow. Yeah. And that, I mean, today the business has evolved into something that isn't even remotely like yeah. The real estate that we knew Just a long time ago. Changed in a huge way. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, it's, it's curious to see how there are so many different people in real estate from so many different backgrounds working in so many different markets. Right. And how they have to evolve their business to be successful with what they have. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, let's get back to that evolution. After your first buyer specialist, when did you start thinking about, hmm, time to, to grow beyond that? Well, I think one of the things that happened, the team started to grow but I would naturally, we would attract people who did business the way that we did. Mm -hmm. So it was growing in a similar manner, but, and because it was, you know, going along doing, you know, we were generating a million dollars a year, though it was being shared by a few people. Mm -hmm. uh, it was pretty successful. There was still something that wasn't quite, still something missing. I realized that one, that, if we didn't change something, that's when I realized that we're not going to ever get to the seventh level the way we were doing it. Yeah. Uh, there was something happened. We had a, uh, as life goes on, kids grow up, mm -hmm. had grandchildren. Uh, our first granddaughter, when she was two, was diagnosed with leukemia. Mm. Now, this was kind of a shocking thing, sure. as, as anybody can imagine. 
and they live outside Boston. We were at their house when this actually happened for their mm -hmm. for little sister's uh, mm. first birthday, and they went to the doctor Saturday morning and ended up in the hospital with both parents. She ended up in the hospital with both parents for a month, so my wife stayed there for the entire month, mm -hmm. and that sort of almost started to pull Chris out of real estate because this was such an important thing. Sure. She was back there a week a month and all of a sudden you start to lose your focus. Mm -hmm. And I needed to pick up the slack on the other end and realize there were things on the team that I needed to do that she wasn't doing and that sort of started that evolution. Yeah. So now By necessity. Thank, thank goodness <laughs> thank goodness after two years of treatment that I would say is about as close to hell as somebody can imagine. Mm. She is just, you know, as healthy as can be, is cancer-free. She's now eight That's years wonderful. old, you know, and it's yeah. it's all great, but quite an experience. Yeah, I'm sure. Now, has Chris ever uh, come back into the business at a high level, or has, uh, has it always been kind of at a lesser level now? Oh, no, sort of, that was the, I think that was the thing that sort of got her a little out of the groove. I started to pick up a little more slack, and we started to move it in a slightly different direction, but... Part of what sort of saved that was over time, there was another part of our business that I was paying attention to on the side that actually was the thing that fascinated me the most, mm -hmm. and uh, which was the profit share aspect of Keller Williams. Absolutely. Now, what attracted me was a company that was willing to share close to half of its profit mm -hmm. with the agents. I said, that says something pretty strong. And uh, somehow most other people did not see that as actually, I mean, it was a nice bonus and anybody gets a little bonus. Sure. Know, they, they love it. But people weren't really looking at that as a business. And somehow I thought that as the company was growing, every one of these offices that opened was sharing 40, 50% of their profit with the agents. Collectively, that was a huge pool of money and that there needed to be a way to tap into it. Yeah. And as it turns out, we found we figured that one out. Yeah, and apparently you didn't look at that as a, a a little thing. You made it a part of your business plan. Correct. And one of the it was natural for me to share what I believed was a good way of doing business with other agents. Now, mm -hmm. one of the things I always teach new agents, and I often one of the things I teach is negotiation, uh, is. In negotiation, you know, positioning is a pretty important thing. And part of how I always positioned myself with other agents was I treated them with the same respect I treated my clients and I treated my family. It's just the way I treat people. Right. But by treating people with respect, you get a better reaction from them. Sure. So when you're in a competitive situation, in other words, you know, we've got somebody else got an offer in on a listing and you've got an offer in on the listing. I found that it was an advantage if I had a good relationship with that other agent. And even recently, there was a deal in which we we were able to get the deal. It was happened to be a relocation deal for the listing. And I said to the other agent, so maybe that other offer wasn't higher. And mm -hmm. she said, well, actually, it was a little higher. But the reload person said to us, whose deal is more likely to close? Mm -hmm. She said, oh, Gary's deal. Mm -hmm. And part of it was, you know, with these relocation deals, you have 90-page agreements. And the other agent gave it to her in about seven parts. She said it took her 45 minutes to, to download oh, wow. all the different pieces and put it together. She says, when you gave it to me, it was in two files, all the I's dotted, T's crossed, and ready to go. Everybody confident this is going to close. Right. Yeah. And so because you were organized, because the buyer was qualified, and because they knew that you had a reputation of performing and not snowing other people, mm -hmm. we got the deal. Thus the term cooperating agents. Correct. <laughs> yeah. You know, and you know, at an eighteen thousand dollar commission, that was a big deal. Yeah, sure. So you're you're starting to say, okay, I'm I'm having success in um, in the business model, uh, and I can share that with other people and feel confident I can right. do that. I mean, if you picture this profit share started, I think the first month we were we were at Keller Williams. I liked the profit share from the beginning, the mm -hmm. idea of it, and I realized after about eight months, I hadn't gotten any. Mm -hmm. So I go, okay, what huh. am I doing wrong? <laughs> Something's not working here. So then we got our first profit share check was about $13.79. Staggering, isn't it? Staggering. <laughs> now, that's true. Today you could buy a couple of lattes. Yeah. <laughs> but it started to grow. Mm -hmm. And 
I started doing the things that would make it grow by talking to other people about something that I thought was a pretty good idea. Sure. And after some years, all of a sudden, now we're starting to make a few bucks, you know, $10,000 a year, $12,000 a year. And the years are going on, and all of a sudden, there's a little surge in the market. Mm -hmm. And now the company's starting to grow, and a couple of the people that I've attracted to the company uh, actually had some leadership capabilities. Yeah. And uh, one of the best things that happened to me, at one point, I'm on a listing. And somebody says, we know somebody in common. So I said, oh, what's, what's Michael doing? Mm -hmm. And she said, you know, actually, he's looking for something. Now, this guy had become a pretty successful, uh, he was the broker of a 33 office company wow. that got taken out in a merger. Mm -hmm. So he was no longer with that company. And looking for philosophy. something to do. And he's looking, he's <laughs> yeah. looking for an opportunity. Mm -hmm. Called him up. We had lunch at the Blue Bell Inn. And he says, boy, that sounds pretty fascinating. I've heard about that company. He says, as a matter of fact, I have to be in Texas. I want to go check it out. Mm -hmm. Well, he came back and he goes, oh my gosh, mm -hmm. that is the most unbelievable real estate company I have ever seen. Mm -hmm. And he goes, I'm interested, but I'm only interested if I can have the main line. Mm -hmm. Main line's available. <laughs> <laughs> now, what I didn't realize is that we were going up, you know, in Bluebell, it was a what I would call a normal real estate market. There's five, six, seven major companies and each one has a market share. This one's yeah. 17%, 19%, 22%. It was the way it looks in most places in the country. Yeah. I didn't realize that on the main line, there was somebody who had an 80% market share. And that was going to be a tough thing. That's a hard to carve to, out. Yeah. Especially when you're a startup and nobody knows you're Keller who. Mm -hmm. Sure. But by hanging in there, that company became successful. I was able to both have a minor sort of ownership role in the company, but more importantly, mm -hmm. because I introduced the person to Keller Williams, I was in a position to help him build the company. And by me helping other agents do this, I realized that there was a, a much greater benefit at the end than I had ever anticipated. From a profit-sharing perspective. From a profit-sharing perspective. Mm -hmm. And you, you said a minor ownership percentage, which I think is an interesting way to phrase it. Um, well, meaning that I... Well, tell me about how, did that, how does that work? Well, I, I'm one of the core people in Bluebell, and... Which means you had an opportunity to have to, a certain percentage uh, yeah, of ownership a, a, a there. percentage, like 5% yeah, ownership. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So if the company's successful, that is, a, that is truly a benefit. But you are... I think of it, it is truly an investment. You're not an owner. You're mm -hmm. not the person. There's somebody else. Mike Campo, in this case, was the operating principal, and he was right. the one running the company. He was very capable of doing that. Mm -hmm. Sure. And not saying as if I had run that. the company that it would have been as <laughs> successful, it might not have turned out the way that it did. But it was great, and it truly was a collaboration. Now, Mike was also an agent, and he was a, he was the top agent in the other company. He's younger than me. Mm-hmm. And I realized I was not the person, I'm a competitive person, mm -hmm. like a lot of people in real estate, yeah. but I don't have to be number one. In fact, I was pretty happy saying, you know what, I like the position of being number two mm -hmm. for 20 years. Yeah. I was happy to have a high production level, mm -hmm. didn't have to be number one, but I wanted to be a consistent top producer. And I started approaching profit share in the same way, mm -hmm. is by, I realized by helping other people that I was really leveraging myself. In fact, uh, another market center that grew out of that was with that same guy, Michael. We're at a Keller Williams regional event. Mm -hmm. At a break, we're having a cup of coffee, talking to a young lady next to us. The same thing that every one of us do when we go to these mm -hmm. events. And she's telling a story like, oh, I used to be up in Bucks County. I thought Keller Williams was a neat company, but I moved into Center City and there wasn't Keller Williams. So I joined this Antonio Atacan team. Mm -hmm. You know, he's a great realtor. And we're saying, how's that look? And she's pretty excited. We said, geez, I wonder if Antonia would be interested in Keller Williams. She goes, oh, I don't know. I'll ask him. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so <laughs> if, we, if he would meet with us. So he said, sure. So we called him up. Same thing. Took him out. Had lunch. Only now we had the red book. So we gave him the red book. Mm -hmm. He reads the book. Goes, goes hmm. that's me. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that's unbelievable. So now I say that an overnight success. That was in February, I think, about... Right around Christmas, he sort of got what, found what out. What year is that? Ish. This is just around 2003. Oh, or four. Four? Four. And 
he got found out, so we ended up starting a company in Center City. Now, it's very funny because Michael and I were working on opening a, an office in Devon. Mm-hmm. And I actually got approved as the OP for number 500 office of Keller Williams in Devon. Mm-hmm. But we weren't really getting the people we needed. And we had this guy, Antonio, and the region's going, you should be going to Devon. And we're going, oh, we met this guy, Antonio. I think we need to do this. So we mm-hmm. made the decision to do that. In any case, he opened the company, and now it's a really successful office. Oh, yeah. uh, and I have about 170 people on my downline in a productive Keller Williams office, which is really what, when I say leverage, I could never accomplish what I did without the help of all 170 of those people. Sure. And have been able to repeat that in about 10 different places. So you're still actively attracting people to that profit share system, correct? Uh, Correct. I would say that I spend more of my time helping the people that I brought into Keller Williams build theirs. Mm -hmm. But I have a first level agent that I brought into Bluebell in the past month. Yeah. So, uh, In fact, it was somebody that we worked with at Remax 15 years ago. But he had gotten out of the business, and now that that career was winding down, he says, oh, I think I'll get back into real estate and get me a call. And hmm. here you go. In fact, what I did is I was going to sell his house. So now I've got an agent in my downline, but I lost a listing. So you, you've been methodically building your real estate practice and your profit share tree, right? Pretty, oh, pretty consistently over time. Oh, so over what, time. That, what, what, what has that led to, the, the profit sharing end? I mean, how um, many people are in that profit share tree now? I would say... In my seven levels, there are 1,390. Wow, that's amazing. That came from about 24, over time, probably 30 people that I brought in, but there are certainly 20 of those people are still there growing down. And there are probably five, 600 people below that, below the seventh levels that sometimes roll up if somebody leaves and sometimes not, but that's how the company grows. Is it too real to ask you what kind of... Revenue that generates? Rough? Uh, uh, now, Rough one, of the, one of the wonderful things about the company we're with is that, and you understand this, I know, mm-hmm. because your wife's in real estate, yeah. is that Keller Williams looks at us as agents as one. Mm-hmm. Husband and wife are one. Right. So that was an advantage, mm-hmm. one fee. But in profit share, and I know you know this too, yes. that we're two because you Applies also, to me as well. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Uh, and so between my wife and I, I mean, this year it's going to be close to $400,000. Oh, congratulations. It's like, yeah, that's an amazing. I, I, I don't want to say it's not embarrassing to tell somebody that. It's just like, it seems so unreal that people would have a hard time understanding how that's yeah. even possible. Well, it's inspiring for people to say, wow, if, uh, if somebody could do that, I can do that too. Right. You know? Right. Yeah. Oh, and they absolutely can. I am 100% convinced. Some people would say, well, you had a real advantage, you got in early. So you got in, you know, the top of the food chain. Mm-hmm. But I don't believe that that is actually how it works. And it took a lot of people. It took a lot of work to get this company from 8000 to the 130000 it is today. Mm-hmm. I truly believe that we are positioned correctly, mm-hmm. not because of, you know, Keller Williams is not some clever marketing idea. Mm-hmm. It's real human values. It's helping other people grow right. their businesses. It's those things that make this a valid place. And that though this is not the company for every agent by any means, there's a lot of different ways to do real estate, and I'm fascinated by all of them. Mm -hmm. But I do believe it's the right place for about a third of them. And since we only have about 10%, I think the move from 10% to 30% Mm -hmm. is going to happen a little quicker now. Yeah, nationally and internationally. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the fact that we're growing in other countries, even forget the rest of the world, There are approximately a million agents in the United States. Mm -hmm. We're about 10% of that, 100,000. But part of understanding the real estate industry is that there's about a 30% turnover. Mm -hmm. So there's there's an opportunity for profit share no matter what you do because a third of the agents are going to leave and they have to be replaced and they got to come from someplace. And there's only one way to get into this company and that's by being sponsored by another agent. Mm -hmm. So if there are about... I guess 200,000 people coming our way, and I have a feeling that this is going to happen in the next three, four, or five years. I think the opportunity today is absolutely 10 times better than it was when we started trying to do it in, you know, early 90s. Mm-hmm. Now, if you'd remained with a, a different 
um, national franchise, right. regardless of what that national franchise would be. What difference would that have made? Well, I believe that our business would have been pretty much the same. Mm -hmm. I mean, the things I learned at Keller Williams really did help us grow our business, but I believe our business came out of relationships and I could have done that business under any. Mm -hmm. Red sign, a yellow sign, a blue sign, wouldn't mm -hmm. matter. Yeah. So that would have continued, but what I wouldn't have had is a business that was very easy to sell mm -hmm. because once you remove yourself and if you walk away from it, you can refer business, but I believe that Every agent I've ever watched retire, it's like your referrals start, you know. Yeah. The first year you get a, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and then it starts to fade and all right. of a sudden it goes away. It disappears. It certainly doesn't continue. I mean, I'm telling you, if I didn't sell another house next year, I believe we'll make more money next year than we made this year. Mm -hmm. That's almost impossible. And that's just on the sales side. That's you're right. You know, just on the real estate sales yeah, business side. So so the ownership. That, that, those dividends are growing because the companies are growing. So you have you have small percentages and sometimes a little larger percentages of uh, multiple companies now. Right. Right. Multiple. And it was only because we were there when we found the people who helped start the company. I, I yeah. mean, I had one agent that we attracted to Keller Williams. She went out and found somebody to open the office just because she needed a place to work. Right. Wow. So you got the... Owner, market center ownership and the, the profit sharing. Right. Though, though in, in that market center, I have no ownership, but I would guess our profit share is equal to owning about 10% of a top 10 real estate company. It's, it's unbelievable. Mm -hmm. Wow. Yeah. Now, I can't sell it, mm -hmm. but I could, I can, you know, the profit share you can will to your children. And it's astounding to me that our grandchildren are going to benefit from the work that Chris and I have done over the years. Sure, and that's substantial. That's yeah. not no small thing. Right. I mean, the fact that that could pay for six kids to go to college, you know, 10 years from now is just an amazing thought for me. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. Crazy. Crazy. So let's talk about your thoughts about um, leveraging your, yourself from active participation in your business. What did you do in the past to kind of start to prepare for that? And, and how, how has Keystone Partners Group maybe created an environment to help you do it? Well, I mean, working with Mike over all these years, all of these concepts were developed and sort of learned. We all sort of came up together learning how to do this. Everybody's business goes in a slightly different direction depending on their interest. And what I part of what I loved about this was that there is a way for different people to use those skills and build things within this corporate environment in different ways. Mm -hmm. Whether it be because I like to teach, because I like to share this, because I want to help other agents. Uh, the fact that it's just sort of, it's an interesting way that we're completely tied together. I think part of this dynamic of being in an environment where your success is really dependent on other people's success. When somebody else in the office brings a new agent in mm -hmm. and the office becomes more profitable, it helps us. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it behooves us to help those other people become more successful. And when you create an organization that is sort of depends on each other, rather than everybody sort of, I've seen other companies where Everybody's protecting their Absolutely. sort of needs. Oh, you yeah. can't, you, you can't know where I got my business. Mm -hmm. Where, where rather, if you share that with somebody, I, I mean, I'm amazed. We have classes where I can see what Pam Butera does on a listing presentation. Mm -hmm. Where would I ever get to see that? Yeah, that's usually top. I secret, know that right? she's a killer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because she always comes back with the listing. But I would have no way to actually learn what she was doing. That was the thing that was sort of key to me. Yeah, more collaboration, more synergy. Right. And um, does the fact that uh, a large number of people in a particular market center all have the same thought process with respect to growing teams assist somebody in transitioning out of real estate? Well, I think what happens is as you learn to build the team and you learn to get that closer to the seventh level, you realize that there actually is a way to do that. And it was at a seminar, and actually I know we were both in the room at the mm -hmm. same time. It was a small seminar. But it was really the moment that I got this understanding that these other companies did not want you to grow. Mm -hmm. 
In other words, when you got past a certain point, you were actually a negative to the company because you were yeah. getting all, you're already getting all the profit because mm -hmm. you're getting such a high percentage. Mm -hmm. But now you're a threat to the company where at Keller Williams, there's no limit to how much we can grow. Mm -hmm. Somebody's actually cheering you on rather than trying to hold you back. And I've come to the realization recently through this concept of expansion, mm -hmm. which is something, another one I would have never thought of, <laughs> is that an agent can actually grow their business in other market centers, mm -hmm. thereby, you know, is another piece of leverage, creating an opportunity for hundreds of agents who, it, I, it really isn't the right thing for every one of us to try to do everything in this business that has become so unbelievably complicated. <laughs> and mm. that a lot of agents, I realized, are more profitable by joining a team and doing the part of the business that they love, whether it's administrative work. I mean, I had an assistant that we loved for 15 years. She would never want to do what I did. And I don't want to do what she did. But together, we could create something that benefited everybody. Mm -hmm. So all of a sudden, there's an opportunity to build your profit share because of this concept of uh, expansion that you can take an agent and put them into a role where they will actually flourish and be happier because they're doing what they love and mm -hmm. they're making more money. And the person who's running that team is making money and the market center is making money. Win, win, win. It's a win, win, win. Mm. And, you know, it's like, wow, I can't think of anything better than that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know, when you when you found um, Dino as as the right match for you right. to merge your business with as as you start to focus on other things, uh, was he your first choice or were the, did you kind of look at some other options before that? Oh, no, I, I was, well, I was searching, searching, searching for the right option. It was actually a coach who said to me, if you're not going to do these things, mm -hmm. then you're going to need to find somebody that you can work with for a number of years to establish that together so that you could start to back out without your business just going away. Because mm -hmm. it seems like a shame to build what, as hard as we work over 20 or 25 years to build a practice, a real estate practice, and then just have it dissipate because you didn't you know, do something in order to make that continue. Sure. Now, I'm, you're an absolute icon in, in your market. Okay. You have a coach? Well, I mean, I always thought of Tiger Woods. I mean, <laughs> at his height, nobody could play golf like Tiger Woods, but he had a coach. Mm, sure. <laughs> so Maybe more than one. <laughs> oh, yeah, absolutely more than one. Sure. So it is those coaching relationships that actually seem to move people at a higher level to do the things that they need to do because it's pretty easy to lose your focus because you're just pulled in you know, multiple directions every day. You've got to step back and figure out exactly what it is you want to do and have somebody help you do it mm -hmm. or it's not going to happen. Tell me about your history of being coached. When, when did that start and who is, who is your coach and kind of how did that evolve into well, to where you are today? I am a coaching resistant person. And, I, and when I say that... Strange, you're the only person I've ever heard say that. that <laughs> Just that, kidding. That... that that was really one of our faults, and I believe we could have accomplished what we did a lot sooner if we had uh, if we had come to that realization earlier. Mm. But that was part of that, you know, you know it all, so you don't really need a coach. Mm -hmm. I think it's fascinating that uh, the best of the best in the real estate industry seem to always have coaches. And um, I think it's very valuable for agents to know in our audience that they have the capacity to be coached by MAPS Coaching, really at any level of their business, uh, which is one of the finest coaching organizations in the world. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. So tell me um, a little bit about the future for you. Where, where do you see your future moving? Well, it's funny. I feel like all of a sudden you're working toward sort of the same goal for 25 years. Mm -hmm. Now, I could say, I mean, I always just wanted to be a retired businessman. <laughs> but all of a sudden, one day I woke up and I went like, holy mackerel, I achieved my goal. Hmm. Uh, and at that seminar I referred to earlier, the, the guy teaching the seminar said, what gave us his definition of wealth. And he goes, wealth is when you make $1 more passively 
then it takes to fund the lifestyle that you've chosen to live. Mm -hmm. And I realized that we had arrived there and all of a sudden I was just shocked because it always seems so far away that by staying focused on it, we kind of blew through it. Mm -hmm. So now I have the opportunity, one with merging my team with somebody who is capable enough to start taking care of that, that I could actually take the time to do the thing that I have the most passion for, and that would be to spend the next, I don't know, five to 10 years or however long I choose to work, helping a select group of people that I would like to, in a sense, coach and see if I could dynamically help them make the shift that I did because it is a very different feeling to wake up and be not worried about all those things that we worry about every day of our lives is, you know, making a living and taking care of the kids and doing all the yeah. things you have to do. So the shift will be to creating positive and lasting change in people. Exactly. Which is exciting. It happens to be the, the, the mission of Keystone Partners Group. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> that's maybe why we get along and probably, I'm part of that and, we, I, and that I chose yeah. to be a part of this. <laughs> it's curious also that um, it, how we, we look at success is sometimes a gradually then suddenly event. Right. You, know, you work so hard and, uh, and you, you work and you work and you work and, and nothing seems to happen. I'm, a, I'm afraid it's like the shift <laughs> that's about to come in real estate that mm -hmm. we've been, Gary Keller's been warning us about for years. But he yeah. goes, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then all of a sudden you realize it's already happened. Right. Yeah. In so many ways in life. Right. For so, sure. so how do you see um, your legacy? What legacy do you want to leave for, for, your, for your children, for your community, for the world? Well, I guess one of the ones I think about is as grandchildren are receiving profit share on a monthly basis, it's going to be remembering Poppy in a very positive way. <laughs> uh, but it is, it is sort of the values. It's those values that I'd like if people actually get that and can work in a way that they feel like in such a positive way. The thing that's always excited me about real estate is people. Mm -hmm. It's not actually the real estate, but I've just always enjoyed working with people, okay. and this is a great avenue. Somebody told me once, you know, I grew up in the restaurant business, food, shelter, clothing, you go, you're never going to go wrong. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Gary, it has been uh, truly my pleasure. It has been one of the most fun interviews I've done in the Get Real show. And, uh, and I can tell you that uh, the people that are watching the show today certainly are going to have so many nuggets to take away that they'll be busy for some well, time. I'd welcome the opportunity to ever talk to anybody about these things that I find so fascinating about real estate. Well, thank you so much for Good being deal. on the show. It's been, I appreciate it. It's been appreciate really the opportunity. a pleasure. Thanks. And, um, and I'd like to uh, certainly welcome our guests to return for the next episode of the Get Real Show, sponsored by Keystone Partners Group, where we're going to strip away those myths and mysteries uh, behind success in real estate so that you can take your business to the next level right now. Mm -hmm.